So, John, uh, this was our second time chatting with Jake Bright uh, about the um, live wire. Right. And it got a little bit weird in there. It did. For a second when he yeah. told us Talked that he kind of vibrators. Really, yeah, he enjoyed He He said that the live wire comes equipped with a vibrator. He, he, he had a lot more to say than just that, but that was funny. <laughs> Welcome to the Behind the Bars podcast, where we discuss all things motorcycles, memories, and mayhem. Oh, this is awesome. Sponsored by Wilkins Harley-Davidson. Let's get this thing started. Here's John and Mark. On the line with us today is Jake Wright, who is actually a contributor for TechCrunch uh, and writes with Common Thread. Is it Common Thread or Common Tread, Jake? Common Thread. T-R-E-A-D. Yep, Common Thread at Revzilla. Awesome. And Jake has been on uh, Behind the Bars with us before, Mark. And uh, we've had him back because we told him the last time we spoke that when he rode the live wire, which was about a year a year ago, I think we visited with him, uh, we wanted to have him back. And uh, I tracked down Jake and I begged him to come back on because he has been riding the Zero SRF, the live wire, just rode the live wire last week, Jake? Yeah, but uh, just a little over. Okay, well, welcome. We're, we're super excited that you're back. Um, so how'd, how'd it go? I mean, just get us into the, how do you even get an invite to something like that to ride Livewire that's not even out yet? Well, you know, it goes back to, you really highlighted it. It's been, a lot has happened over a year, but um, pretty much a year ago, I started, or a year plus, I started poking into what's going on with e-motorcycles. So that led me originally to write on, and, and this is also, um, John, my, my perspective has been a bit of, you know, a rider perspective, but then also digging into the business side, technology side, you know, where all this stuff fits into all these things going on with global mobility. So anyways, I started out talking to and testing some of the e-motorcycle startups, and as that started, obviously, the thing about Harley pivoting electric um, started to pick up. So I started uh, approaching Harley and talking to them and covering that, too. Um, and covering their progression to actually, you know, launching the first EV of the company, the first electric motorcycle, and just created a good source relationship with Harley to the point where we've done several stories at TechCrunch, um, you know, I've interviewed some of the senior executives, and finally they invited me, after all that, to uh, be part of this Livewire debut at the Formula E electric car racing circuit in New York, and um, we did it. So Tech Labs on the live wire, and then also got to interview uh, Sean Stanley, who's really one of the chief architects of the, of the bike, and um, had a great time. So, so you're out at Formula E, and so for our listeners that don't know what Formula E is, what what is that? Pretty much, it, you know, you're, you're getting like a shadow of everything in, in gas racing. There's an E version. So Formula E is really the electric version of Formula One. Cars look similar to those cars, but they're all electric. And they set up uh, a track in Brooklyn and closed down the street. And um, it's part of kind of this electric extravaganza. That's where Harley chose to do an East Coast debut for you know a select group of riders um, on the on the Formula E track. So it was, it was a closed course racetrack. 
So, Jake, I assume this is a road course. It's not an oval or anything like that, right? No, it was a really technical course. Um, I think I counted. I, I did my homework, guys. <laughs> Someone tells me I'm going to a race course. Uh, you know, I studied it. I think there were 16 different turns, uh, some pretty tight ones, and then there were about two big straights. Um, but, you know, the total distance wasn't – it was more technical, meaning that the, the straights were pretty short. Uh, so lots of turns and just a little bit of uh, time to open up the bike. So, so Jake, the um, what was the experience uh, like, particularly uh, with regard to your experiences on a on a normal uh, gas propelled machine? What what immediately struck you about the uh, the difference there as you got going on this thing? Well, you know, I've been been interesting so the last year and since i talked to you guys i think i've been on 12 different bikes non-stop and i've also been switching back and forth between gas and electric now for over a year including um zero has let me do a couple long-term tests where i've i've had an e-motorcycle you know not just for days but for for like four week periods so um i've had a lot of time to compare and think about it and even right now i have a <laughs> srf in the garage in a Ducati Hypermotard, which I've been riding back and forth. So all that said, um, I think the most distinguishable, you know, impression you get from riding a high-performance electric motorcycle like the Livewire or the SRF, uh, it's really the power delivery um, and the torque and the uninterrupted acceleration, which um, for most people, I'll say that you know, the acceleration on e-motorcycles, they're just faster than um, gas bikes. Um, and it's really hard to explain the adrenaline it gives you. There's no gears. There's no working, you know, less working parts. you got this huge battery, just a huge hunk of power, and uh, a processor that manages it. You know, the motors on these things are pretty much more like drivetrains. And you just twist these things, and, you know, it's almost like hitting light speed. You know, on the Millennium Falcon, your eyes light up, and the acceleration is really something different that I've ever felt on any gas bike, and that's what I think gets a lot of people. Well, and, and I love I love the, the observations because <clears throat> some of the points I think you're getting to here, Jake, are that, you know, having ridden Livewire myself, the... the it's a completely different experience. And I think the critics that are out there on on electric motorcycles don't quite understand that this is just, there isn't really a good comparison in the gas world. Um, what I noted, and I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts, were I, in a 30 minute ride around Milwaukee, I didn't use, I didn't have to use the brakes. I never used the brakes for a 30 minute ride. So when you rode in Formula E, Tell me about that. I mean, were you were you using the brakes, or were you required to use the brakes because it was such a complex course, or how did that work? Well, I mean, you get into a whole other and, and what, to what you said, Don. I tried I tried to write an article at Red Villa last year um, that everybody said you can't describe, you can't describe, and it's true. It's hard to describe. People just have to get on one of these things and ride them. But I tried to write an article where I. I really went beyond that and tried to describe the e-motorcycle experience. Um, and one of the facets of it was just how there are some different, it, it, these bikes change our riding. 
Um, no gears and the, the uninterrupted power delivery is one part of it. But your point, the other part of it is you get into regenerative braking, right, which basically to explain to people that may not know what it is, uh, basically these, these drive trains or magnetic motors are adjustable. And when you come off, when you come off the gas, um, they can, there's varying degrees to which they grab the rotors and use that to recharge the engine. And the primary focus of that is, is to actually give you the ability to recharge the engine. But what you're also able to do is you're able to adjust regen braking to use for cornering. So if you have a high level of regen braking, you get to a point on an e-motor where in addition to not needing to shift or use your clutch, um, you're able to start to get used to that regenerative braking and use less of your actual brakes. And you get into a point where you're coming just on and off the gas without actually hitting the brakes. And I don't think people have fully explored. Um, I think it's going to take more people racing and being on these things. But to your point, you can, you can set it up where you don't have to actually use the mechanical brakes as much. And you can get in and out of the corners um, just with the throttle. So when you adjust the regenerative braking, Jake, does it uh, come on more abruptly when you let off the throttle, or and then more smoothly conversely that you know, when when you back off the throttle? Basically, you come off the throttle, and the either you if you had and I'm, I haven't had much time on Livewire, but on on the zeros, if you if you dialed up um, the regen braking. Uh, you come off and you immediately slow down based on the motor, right? It's almost, it almost reminds me of those, those old Book and Evil <laughs> toys mm-hmm. that were around in the 80s, you know, where um, you, you put that zip tie in and, um, you know, it, it would grab the wheel. Well, it, it kind of does that. If you have the regen braking set down, you come off the gas and you won't slow down much at all and you'll have to rely more on, on um, you know, your physical brakes. But you also won't charge the bike uh, as much either and you won't get as much range. If you have the regen braking dialed up, and this is the other cool thing, guys, is that you know, you're not you're not down there with like some Allen wrenches <laughs> you know, and a wrench doing this. You can do this from your, your phone. Like you, you can do this from, from the live wire. You can do it right from the Speedo. Um, you're doing it on your phone. But anyways, if you dial the, the regen braking up, when you come off the gas, the engine is naturally going to slow you down more right mm-hmm. and that's what you feel well and you can and with livewire you can literally move to a different mode while you're cruising down the road so you can change from regular mode to a sport mode for per se that's adding that regenerative brake system while you're cruising down the road so 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 jake so you rode this thing you you took a bunch of laps at the formula e uh, so what was your take? You you did you have fun? You like it? What were the things that popped out to you that you really appreciated about Livewire? Well, you know my my track experience really I'm going to put it into an overall experience of being able to engage with Harley Davidson and and have you know a bit of inside access on this Livewire experience overall and their shift to EV. Um, you know I would think collectively like what the company's doing, but also the first product. Um, and I'll, I'll be a little bit, you know, biased and editorial here in favor of Harley. It's pretty awesome uh, what they've done um, in terms of going all in on this, you know. And I think, John, like Livewire, in terms of a motorcycle, I was thinking about this, they 
started demoing this concept, what, it was like 2014? Right? It was, right. It's been a while, right? Yep, yep, five years ago. Yeah, so I mean, Harley didn't just create this thing in a bubble. Um, you know, they've been out in public, they've been focus grouping people, you know, their, their engineers have done tons of out-of-the-box thinking to put the bike together. They've created this entire pivot toward electric mobility. Um, and all in all, you know, that and the actual first product that, you know, I think the bike's a great bike. Um, I think it's a bit pricey and everybody's debating about the price. But for, for an EV offering, you know, the thing looks great. Um, it seems really well put together. The electronics are amazing. Um, you know, the interoperability with tech and mobile phones, um, the comm system you can plug into your helmet, um, and just the actual ride. You know, it rode everybody as well as, you know, what, I, what I've been on in terms of high-performance e-motorcycles, which is from zero to, you know, I got to ride the Altas before they were gone, and then also Energica. So, so overall, I, I think it's a great offering, and it'll be exciting to see how the market takes to it, um, both Harley people, you know, died in wool Harley fans, but also um, the Livewire has done a ton. If you look at all the press they've gotten, it's done a ton to just raise interest in this e-motorcycle topic overall. So, so let's, you know, get to the, the, some of the focus that a lot of people have been asking about. And I know there's people out there waiting for articles on the comparisons between Livewire and Zero SRF, which is Zero's new um, newest model. And I know you have only spent a limited amount of time on Livewire, but the comparisons, what are some of the comparisons that, that kind of, that you're feeling may push one over the other, um, specs, power, fit and finish, whatever that may be. What, what are you feeling? Can you tell us that? Well, I, I can give you a little bit. To be fair, um, I've had a lot of time on the Zero SRF. Which for people that don't know, it, you know, it's their 2020 model. Uh, it's a $19,000 e-motorcycle. They, you know, it tops out at about 120 miles per hour. They, they redid the whole, it's a, it's a fully new bike. Um, it's got about 140 foot-pounds of torque. One thing that happened with it is the Zeros have been characteristically pretty light, but they also didn't have super high range. So it has longer range, but it went up in weight. I think it's about 400, 430 pounds. Um, also, you know, it operates fully capable of operating from a mobile phone. They redid the electronics. It has uh, a storage space for the gas tank to be. Um, it has a bit of a monster type sport naked look. And um, the bike just really hauls butt. So that's, I mean, that's a summary of the SRF. Um, in terms of comparing the two, I would say that, you know, if Zero hadn't stepped up with this model, I don't think anything in their pre-existing model <laughs> would have been comparable to Livewire at all. Um, I would love to see a shootout between the two bikes or somebody compare them head-to-head. Um, you know, I, I think that they're, they're comparable in a lot of ways. Um, you know, the acceleration was similar. They're both fairly nimble. The other thing that's happened with these bikes is that the engineers have done a lot to kind of not make you feel that you're you have this big, huge, heavy piece of mass in the in the you know in the middle of the bike that's a battery. Um, both of them had pretty good lateral movement in 
you know, in corners, and um, you don't you don't necessarily feel so much that there's a big you know big huge hunk of weight centered there. Um, what I think will be interesting will be when people can fully compare the acceleration on these things. Uh, one thing that I think is really interesting to know, I got into a little, a little bit on the live wire, but more so on the zero, is off the line speed on these things is like e-motorcycle fast. But you haven't heard a lot of people talk about the mid to top end, and Harley has talked a little bit about the mid to top end on the live wire, what, what I think people are going to notice is that the, the off-the-line speed is really quick, but these e-motorcycles, and I noticed this in both the SRF and the live wire, like they're 50 to 100 speed. It's totally insane, right? Because they don't have a flattening torque curve, right? Like the torque just goes throughout. So, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see when people compare those, those two things up in terms of... Um, you know, off the line acceleration, but also, you know, mid range to top end, which one ends up being faster? So, so I, I think I, at some point in time, I'd had asked you when we were engaging on the topic of a, of another podcast about DC fast charging and the extended range. So uh, can you settle that, that discussion? Cause I think that's been a question on some of the forums I've seen and that the, 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 uh, zero SRF, you have to choose either the extended range battery or the DC fast charging option. Is that accurate? Um, you know what? I didn't get, I, I still need to, to get a clarification for that um, on that for you. But the, the model that I have now, um, it's chargeable at home. It's also chargeable from charge point or, you know, the same fast charge stations that you can use for Tesla or for Bywire. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what people will get a little confused on is the range on these motorcycles, and of course I've had less time with Livewire, it's a bit tricky um, because most of them are advertising a really kind of a high-end you know, range of, of what they have, uh, but they're a little bit like, you know, like remember the old V8 four-barrels? <laughs> You're... The variability on your range had a lot to do with whether, you know, you had the gas on just opening up two barrels, right, versus, you know, if you were hammering it, uh, and, you know, and, and sucking down gas through, through all four barrels of the carburetor, you know, you could have a range that went from, like, 15 miles per gallon to, you know, like, four, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a little bit of that going on in an electric way on the Emoto. So if you become savvy at using the riding modes, which adjusts the engine output, but also most of the preset or all the preset riding modes also have different levels of regen braking. Um, it, it's, there's two kind of sides of, of the range you can get on these things. Uh, if you put them in sport mode and just hammer them down the highway, you're not going to get a ton of range. Um, if you switch up the riding modes, and what I found uh, with the Zero, and I've been able to get, um, and I'll, I'll reveal this before I write about it, using the riding modes in all kinds of riding, which means sometimes hammering it on the highway, in town, in corners, daily riding, um, switching from sport, and then when you come off the highway, going into like Eco, which has a high regen braking, I've been able to get around 100 miles average a charge for an 80-minute charge on these things. 
Okay. Hmm. I don't know what, what did on the live wire, but you know, just to, to finish the point, I've known people who have owned emotos and they they say that you find a way to optimize using the riding modes and the regen braking to get the most mileage you can out of these things. Jake, uh, as I was reading your article in TechCrunch, you, you had a very interesting uh, which article, Mark. Uh, well, because he, he writes a lot for TechCrunch. I'm this is curious. the one that uh, is entitled Inside Harley-Davidson's EV Shift with a ride on its live wire. Oh, his most recent one. His most recent one about a week ago, I think, right, uh, Jake? You yeah, were, I write less on, on, or on bikes, so it's easier to find those ones. You make an interesting statement in this article. It's that you write, um, and even more significant than the live wire release is what Harley-Davidson offers next. The company has committed to produce a lighter, lower-priced e-motorcycle in the near future, as well as e-scooters and e-bicycles. Now, we knew that that was... Uh, we knew uh, the e-bikes and things like that. Yeah. We've seen that in the video, but I hadn't heard that they were producing something less expensive. So, so, and and, and the, to use the phrase even more significant than yeah, the what live does that wire. Mean? How do you, how, what do you mean by that, Jake? Well, you know, what you have is, is you know, Harley's as transparent as I think they can be, right? And, and you guys must have more access than I do. Not really, Jake. It sounds like, it sounds like you have more information than we do. Yeah, well, I, I think, look, this is, Harley's been as transparent as they can be, but, you know, they're a competitive company. Um, and this is me kind of getting into my own analysis, plus my own in-between-the-lines of what I think Harley's going to do. Um, I think that the, the live wire is priced probably too high to, to reach, you know, all of the goals that Harley's talking about with its electric program. I think they probably, but I, I do think it's going to sell because there's so much curiosity. Well, there's fi like 50% yeah. of the are pre-sold, right, Jake? I've heard that. I, yep. I think it's going to sell, and I, I think actually, I used to think that there would be these two, these two totally different market segments, right? Like the Sturgis crowd that wouldn't go near it, um, and that Harley would have to try to get like a, a thirty-something, you know, millennial crowd. I actually think you're going to get crossover because there's just so much curiosity about this motorcycle, um, and it's like, when's the last time Harley did something? There's two categories. Totally new that they've never done before, right? But you could say totally new. Yeah, they made lower CC bikes, but they've done that before. I think I think curiosity is going to get a lot of people to buy. But they're not. I mean, the price is going to. It's the pricing is going to rule out a lot of mass market appeal. I think on this thing, and I think Harley might be doing that on purpose um, to make it exclusive and premium. Um, but I suspect that the next thing will be something lighter and cheaper, which they've actually alluded or come right out and said that. And I think that that bike, guys, after all this curiosity of the first live wire, after the exclusivity of this thing, because only so many people are going to be able to put down 29 grand, I think that next bike will be really what has potential to sell and really get into a younger market, right? Uh, and just the final point on that, on these emotos, I think when, you know, I'm kind of past my hooligan days, you know, <laughs> like ripping around on the street and street racing and, you know, doing stuff on the highway that, you know, is definitely not seen, you know, favorably by the police, et cetera. See, that, see J J Jake, yeah. that's something that you and I have in common that John is yet to arrive at. So I just wanted to make no, that I point. Don't, I don't say I, I don't slip back into my old ways a little bit, but then there's this voice in my head like, yo, dude, you know, 
especially the young guys and girls who really are still in that crowd, who like to rip on things and hooligan around. I think once they get on e-motorcycles, it's going to be a turning point because what I've noticed is that just as daily riders and, and doing any kind of that fast riding, they're, you're going to start seeing that everybody's going to accept that performance e-motorcycles just drop gas bikes. They're faster, period, in every way. And it's not just, you know, specifically fast, like 0 to 60, etc. Just how fast you can go and move around on these e-motorcycles is much faster. So when Harley and some of these other groups put out something that's affordable to the younger crowd, um, I think you're going to have more of a mass market pivot to e-motorcycles. So, so that's what I was getting at towards that. So, Jake, aside from the price point, what should the next offering look like in terms of being different from the live wire? Now, I, I'm hearing, I'm hearing your 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 point about the price, but what what would the next one benefit from uh, in terms of differences between it and the live wire? I think that if if and you've seen there's that mock-up of something that it almost looks like a single cylinder. Harley released that mock-up of a. Uh, Possible next release. Yep. I think something that that's a little bit like an FTR. It's got a little dirt track. You know, much lighter. You got to shave maybe a hundred plus pounds. Uh, has kind of that single. I don't. You know, single cylinder kind of feel. Um, neutral riding position. Mm-hmm. Lighter. Uh, may not have all the features, but you know, a lighter, nimbler kind of maybe dirt track slash supermoto. Um, electric motorcycle and maybe they can hybridize this stuff because let's face it the cool thing is you know you're not following any legacy stuff here right like the stuff's never been done before uh, but something lighter dirt track it super motorish um with like you know some harley looks and cool around it that uh you know definitely is more affordable i think could be the best one of the things that I've, I've heard some talk about is it would be nice to have the capacity to have a backup cell uh, in the event of miscalculation. Um, how do you feel about that? I mean, if, if that was possible, you get into, like, what is it, charging and power density per cell when you start to talk to the engineers. Um, and I don't think they're there yet, right? So I think... If and when that's possible, you may already be on a bike that has, you know, more extensive range, um, and it may not be as significant. But yeah, sure, if if you could put some extra power in a backpack, uh, and you know, and I know Zero has, um, you know, add-on batteries, but if you could do that, great. I think what would be better, Mark, is just for the whole country to have better charging networks. And I think that's another thing to raise about what Livewire is doing is. You know they're going to boost that. They're going to. I mean, I mean, I guess I have a question for you guys. I, you guys are getting a charging station, right? If you're going to sell these things, we are. Um, yeah, I mean, having a better charging network would be great. Here in, I, you know, I'm on Westchester County. Um, I've been able to ride the zero all over. I haven't been in a real stranded type situation yet. But the East Coast is kind of good. I don't know how people like in the middle country are going to fare in terms of charging networks. Mm-hmm. The best the best state in the whole union is California. Mm-hmm. California, you know, there's charging stations everywhere. Mm. Good point. Good point, Jake. Well, Jake, so 
I guess the what this all boils down to for us is uh, when when are you likely to do a full blown analysis on on the live wire? Are, are you is that in the works discussions? You talked with the engineers. I gotta talk to Harley. I feel like to be fair, like my thing with testing bikes is I I feel like I need a day to get to know them at all. I need a week to get to know them, and I need like a good month, you know, to really to really get to know a motorcycle. So um, if the opportunity arises, I, I, I mean, unfortunately, I'm not going to spend $29,000 yet, but I'm sure there, there are a lot of people who will. Uh, but, you know, maybe Harley will let me get, you know, a week or two on one of these things, and, uh, you know, I can give some more extensive feedback. And by then, look, you guys can tell me because you're going to have more access to these than, you know, probably I ever will. Well, time, time will tell. Time will tell. Jake, one last question from me. What was your response to the sound of the live wire? Um, you know, sound is such a big topic around e-motorcycles in particular, but also obviously for, for historic reasons for Harley. Um, on just e-motorcycles in particular, the, it's one of the first questions I get from everybody is, how do you do without the sound? Is it, is it more dangerous? Um, and in general, I'm finding that I don't, I don't miss noise. Uh, you know, I, I don't miss noise on e-motorcycles. Actually, the more I ride them, the more I'm starting to enjoy not having any noise. And the other thing is I, I don't feel less safe on them. Um, you know, I, you know there's like one thing on them is like you, you have more situational awareness. You can hear people in your blind spot, right? So I don't, I don't feel less safe on them. I don't on emotos. I don't feel like I miss the sound. And I think if people, I think if this whole process goes on, I think you're you're going to have a total shift in what preferences are and expectations are around vehicles and sound and motorcycles and sound. Now moving to the live wire, I talked to them a bit about the sound. And if you go, there's a, a segment where. Um, Sean, one of the chief engineers, talks about, you know, how they dealt with this. They thought a lot about this. I think that they came up with something that's appropriate. There is some sound, right? It's, it's you know, it's the buzz. I mean, John, you heard it. But it's not overwhelming, right? It's not, you know, it's, it's still, you if you start to like the Emoto feel and you don't want sound, you don't get upset also that there's too much sound. The other thing I thought that was ingenuitive about Harley is, I don't know what what it's exactly called, but there's that little vibration they give it. The haptic pulse. It, it's a, I called it. I called it something else. I called it like your vibrator thing. Yeah, well, I mean, if that works for you, you know, vibrator in your pants, Jake, that's cool. <laughs> but it, I think it's the same. So it, it didn't work, but it's got a weird name, right? Like, so, yeah, haptic. It's, I think it's a haptic pulse. It's similar to like uh, eye watches. kind of weird for people when they get off gas and go to e-motos is when you stop you know you're not like you don't have this awareness that you're in gear that the thing's engaged and I thought it was a cool little tiny little feature for people to still you know know that okay I'm I'm engaged this thing is live and um, you know the power's on I think that that was one of those things that you didn't know that you wanted until they they added it no, and I think I think for people, especially 
um, people who are just coming from gas. Like now I'm used to it. But I think it'll help them get used to it because there is this feeling like, wait, is this thing on? <laughs> you know, it's a gas working when you yeah. go because you don't have any clutch or you're not going in neutral and you have no sound. Well, Jake, I know uh, you have a very busy schedule and I, I, I don't uh, have very much sympathy for Jake because he has two, he has an e-bike and he has a Ducati in his garage mm. and he has to test, mm, Mark. Mm. Um, so, you know, the guy has no time to, right. to really visit on the phone aside from... He just has to get out there and ride these motorcycles and write about them. It's a, it's a tough living. Yes, it's tough. But someone's got to do it. Someone has to do it. Jake, well, we... Yeah, thanks, guys. We, I'll, I'll do it for everybody else who can't yet, okay? We, we sincerely appreciate it, Jake, and look forward to uh, revisiting this topic when, uh, when you've put some, some miles um, in your home turf on, uh, on one of these live wires. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, guys. Jake, thank you. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for listening to the Behind the Bars podcast, sponsored by Wilkins Harley-Davidson. Stay tuned for our next exciting podcast. Check out additional information on WilkinsHarley.com.